0: I will say, today we have the incredible privilege to Amir begin the third parak of Meseches Moid Cotton, Daf Yud dalaj page fourteen a. We are picking up Emiratz Hashem at the Mishnah on Yud Gimel Amud thirteen b. So the Mishnah says as follows: The Elu B'Moid. These are the individuals who are permitted to go ahead, and Magalchin Giluach usually means both shaving as well as hair cutting. So these are the individuals who are permitted to engage in shaving and hair cutting. Now. The Mishnah presupposes that we know that shaving and haircutting is asr and Where that comes from, emirat HaShem will see in the Gemara. these are the individuals who have a license to shave and get a haircut and Khalamaid, habam someone who returns from overseas travel, omi shivya someone who was held in captivity, vayot or someone who was incarcerated, Someone who was excommunicated. Often again, Nidwi was the result of someone who failed to comply with certain directives of obeys and certain obligations in community, and as a result, he's excommunicated. Part of his excommunication is that he's not permitted to cut his hair. He's not permitted to shave. So we're talking about a person who was released from his nidui before, either before Chalamaid, right before. me, right before yom they were on chalamid. So the or if somebody made a neder, for example, not to shave someone took a nether not to shave, not to take a haircut, and he was released from the nether on Chalamayid. And a Nazir, who is obviously not permitted to shave or take a haircut, a mitzora who is obligated to allow his hair to grow as well. And both of these individuals achieved purity. They achieved purification on Khalamaid. And so they ultimately, again, the idea being over here, and you could see, these are all individuals who essentially did not have the opportunity to shave or take a haircut before Chalamayid. Therefore, again, they have a license to do so on Chalamayid itself. Ve'il these are the people who could launder their clothing on Chalamayid. Ha'bam dinas someone who comes from overseas. sa'shivya, or someone who was released from captivity. or someone who was released from prison. Tap of yodalid. Umenuda she'atir or again, someone who was excommunicated and then had his excommunication lifted or repealed by the Chachamim or let's say somebody made a neder not to go ahead and launder his clothing and he was released from the neder on Chalamaid so we'll say all of these situations ultimately again are circumstances where you could launder your clothing on Chalamaid it's the same yesod really the same exact yesod namely being the idea that these people didn't have an opportunity to engage in the process of laundering their clothing before Chalamaid and therefore they have a license to do so on the Mishnah goes on, Mit hand towels. Midpachos Hasabarim, Barber's, now literally means barber's towels. What it means is Rashi points out the barber's cloth, which is the cloth that the barber used to put on. You know, they do it today also. You go for a haircut, the barber puts on the cloth, so that the hair doesn't get all over you. It's called, that's called mitpachos Hasabarim, mitpachos or bath towels, or bath towels. You are allowed to launder these on Chalamayim. Again, we'll discuss why that is. These the seem to be just on the most basic level because they're necessary for khalama use. A person doesn't have an inexhaustible supply of bath towels, so therefore, I'm permitted, or, or again, hand towels, or for that matter, the barber who has the license to cut the hair of these individuals also needs his towels. And similarly, again, hazovin, vahazavos, hanidos, vahayoldos. Certainly, if a person is a zav or a zaba, nidos and yoldos, these are all people who experience emissions and because they experience emissions, they may need to launder their clothing or other or other items on a relatively regular basis and anyone in general who has transitioned from a state of ritual impurity to purity, mutarin, they are mutter to launder, and everyone else is asr. Again, we'll define the exact parameters of what the Mishnah is saying, but bigadol, in a general sense, the Mishnah is introducing us to the idea, you can't take a haircut, you can't shave, you can't launder your clothing on chalamaid, Unless, of course, there's an extenuating need. And the extenuating need can take one of two forms. Either you didn't have the ability to do so before Yom or you had the ability to do so before Yom but your circumstances are such that you still need to launder. For example, Zavin, Zavos, Nidos, Yoldos, people who have frequent emissions. Says the Gemara, So ask the Gemara, what's the problem? Why can't a regular person shave or take a haircut or launder clothing on Chalamite? What's the issue here? Kedisnan. So the Gemara says, it's like a Mishnah that we learned about. So we had this in Anshe Mishmar va Anshe Maimod so I'll say the people of the Mishmar, remember again, the kahuna was split up into 24 Mishmaros. There were also ma'amados, we did this extensively in Meseches where there were groups, there were cohorts of Kohanim, Yisraelim, Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, some would go to the Beis Hamikdash. some would gather, would gather in the local towns, what's the They are not permitted to go ahead and launder their clothing, nor are they permitted to go ahead and shave take a haircut over the course of their week that they're on duty. On Thursday of that week, they're permitted to do so, Le Shabis, Shabbos. My time. Well, what's the reason? Why can't the people of the Mishmar and the people of the Maimed, why can't they launder their clothing or take a haircut? In order that, what are we concerned about? See, if a person knows Right, a person knows anyway that he's going to have quote-unquote a week off from work, right? The Kohi knows he's going to the Beis HaMikdash, the lady's going to the Beis HaMikdash These Israel's gathering in his town. So I'm going to be spending my whole week dedicated to Tefillah, avoda. There's plenty of time to take care of my laundry and plenty of time to take care of my personal grooming needs during that week. And Chazal were concerned that a person is then going to enter into their week of the Mishmar or their week of the Maymid in an unkempt state. Therefore Chazal said, so how do you ensure that people enter into the week of the Mishmar, the week of the Maymid with proper grooming, properly prepared? by telling you you can't shave and you can't take a haircut the week of, you can't launder your clothing the week of, that therefore by definition necessitates that I take care of these needs prior to the start of the Mishmar, the start of the Maimid. So the gemara says, and It's the same idea over here. Chazal were concerned that a person might enter into Yom Tiv in an unkempt state. Why should I take a haircut or shave? Before Yom Tiv, I could just do it on Chalamayi. There's plenty of time. Or why should I take care of laundry right now? I could take care of laundry later on. So Chazal were therefore con- and were concerned that a person is going to enter into Yom Div, maybe with unclean clothing or maybe not properly, you know, with a proper haircut, with a proper shape, properly groomed. So therefore Chazal said, how do we ensure that people take care of their personal grooming needs and their laundry before Yom Div? By telling you, in the absence of an extenuating circumstance, you cannot shave, you cannot take a haircut, and you cannot launder your clothing on Khalamite. Incredible. So we'll say now we're going to asked a couple of very interesting questions. By of Dula we'll say what happens in the following situation. What happens if a person lost an object? Right? A person lost an object. I, I lost I lost my watch prior to Yumtiv. And as a result, I spent all of Erev Yumtiv. Looking for my watch. As a result of spending all of my Arab looking for a watch, I didn't have a chance to get a haircut or to shave. Or to shave. So now what's the shiloh? Do we say da onis mutter? On one of the, we can say from the Mishnah, you see that extenuating circumstances allow you to shave and take a haircut and loan their clothing on Khalamite. Right. Again, remember, all of the cases of the Mishnah, someone comes from overseas, someone's released from captivity, from jail, somebody who had their neder, neder an all of these are extenuating circumstances. So here I spent the entire era Yom tiv looking for my lost object. That's an extenuating circumstance. That's not how I planned to spend my era Yom tiv. So do we say, since it's an only, since it's an extenuating circumstance, I can go ahead and I can go ahead and I can go ahead and take a haircut or shave or launder on Chalamite, Odilma. On the other hand, it's very interesting. Maybe the only license to go ahead and shave, or to take a haircut, or to launder on is when the nature of your extenuating circumstances are such that they're public knowledge. In other words, if you look at the list of extenuating circumstances in the Mishnah, these are all things that have a certain element of publicity. They're known, right? If you're coming back from overseas, people know that. You get out of jail, People know that you get out of captivity. People know. People know these things. So maybe the only time that you're permitted to go ahead and shave and take a haircut and chalamayid is not only when there's extenuating circumstances. But extenuating circumstances, which are publicly known, because that way, if people see you grooming on chalamid, they're going to know why it is that you have a hetzer to do so. But again, in a situation like this, where I was looking for my watch, that's not known. That's not a publicly known situation. So perhaps again, that should not create a license to go ahead and to go ahead and look for my to go ahead and shave and to haircut on chalamid. To which the Gemara says, Am Rabbi yomru." So we will say so. This is an expression that we've seen. We've seen many times. The idea of here is as follows: The Mishnah has Pesachim writes that one is not permitted to make srikin. Srikin is like a matzah wafer with an image on it. So normally, how would you make it? You'd go ahead and you'd have a dough and you'd etch in the image. The reason we don't want you making that on Pesach is pretty obvious, or even before Pesach, for use on Pesach, is because taking, making the image takes time. And there's a concern that the matzah may become chametz. Well, there was a guy by the name of Baitos, and Baitos had a great idea, right? Baitos had a stamp so you don't have to etch in the image. You could just stamp, stamp the image on the dough. So ultimately, here's the problem. So technically speaking, that should be permitted. What's the problem? When someone sees a, a matzo with an image on it, they have no idea if somebody did that by hand and or has etched it in, or if that's just the stamp. So the problem is if you allow it, if you allow it, then at the end of the day will lead people to make mistakes. That's the lotion Yomru Srikin And should we say all of the Srikin, right? All of the designer matzahs should be Asur, but the designer matzah of Baitos is motor. So of course, such a situation like that is untenable because ultimately, again, it's going to create, it's going to create an incredible amount of confusion. So the Now, using that logic, using that logic, it would appear based on this that unless you have publicly known extenuating circumstances, we don't really want you shaving or taking a haircut or laundering on Chalamaid because people aren't going to know the nature of your circumstances and they're just going to assume that you've decided to do these activities on Chalamaid and they may glean for themselves also a hetter to be able to do this. To which the Gimar Sulatan may chad am Asi am rabi So what about the following case? We learned, we learned, or we will learn. What happens if somebody only has one article of clothing? So remember again, we just said before laundry said in the Mishnah, laundering is Aser, unless of course it's an extenuating circumstance. Well, let's say a person only has one article of clothing. That's an extenuating circumstance as well. But it's so so I'm allowed to launder my one article of clothing on Khalamaid. I, the says, but here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. The problem with that case is, I will say, no one knows that I have one article of clothing. How does anyone know that? So if they see me laundering clothing on Chalamait or wearing a freshly laundered garment on Chalamait, so no one knows that I did that because because I only have one garment, they're going to once again assume that perhaps laundering on Chalamait is permitted. It's the same problem. In other words, I understand in a case where my extenuating circumstances are of a public nature then everyone understands my circumstances everyone understands why it is that i'm doing these things on halamaid but the problem is if you have a, pri- a quote-unquote a private circumstance people don't know about that they don't they don't know what to do with that to which the Gemara says we'll see here's the difference your belt testifies that I will say, if a person only has one garment, so what do you do when you're laundering the garment? What do you do? You put on your cloak, you close up your cloak tight, and you wear your belt on top of your cloak. When people see me wearing my belt on top of my cloak, they're going to know that I have one garment and I'm currently laundering it. That's why I'm wearing my cloak like a garment because I don't have another garment. So your belt shows, in other words, your belt Your belt telegraphs, Your belt. your, your belt communicates the nature of your extenuating circumstance. So, therefore, again, I just want to point out so the Gemara doesn't really seem to resolve these issues, or I should say, it does resolve. In other words, it resolves it by seemingly saying that the only time that an ones situation, an extenuating circumstance, allows you to shave, to get a haircut, to launder your clothing, is when the Ones is known. It's of a public nature. But if it's a totally private nature, it appears that that doesn't create a header to allow me to go ahead and do these activities. Now, the Gemara asks another question. Rabbi I will say, what about in the following case? An Uman, right? So a craftsman. So I will say, so let's, let's give a good example. I actually gives the example of a sapper. Let's say this, the barber. The barber lost his watch in Erev Yomtiv. Now, say if the barber loses his watch in Erev Yomtiv and he's looking forward to a whole day of Yomtiv, what's going to happen? Everyone's going to know. Why is everyone going to know? Because the line is forming outside of the barbershop. So here is an individual who lost an object. So, the right, the barber is going to look for his object, but the nature, and therefore, again, he doesn't end up getting a haircut or shaving Erevyantiv. And the nature of his own is known by dint of the fact that he's a service provider and a necessary service provider in Erevyantiv. So, is that enough of a public, public thing that would allow him now to go ahead and Take a haircut or shave or do his laundry and chalamayi. So do we say uman who Since he's an uman, right? He's he's a necessary figure. He's a craftsman. People need him. They're going to know about his own. They said he's looking for his watch. How do they know that? Because I'm waiting for a haircut for an hour and a half. That's how I know. Oh Dilma, kevandulo muchamilsa ki hanach Or perhaps we say the opposite. Maybe what we look for. Is not as much the person's personal circumstances, but rather the type of the type of onase, the type of extenuating circumstance that becomes publicly known. So losing your watch is not the type of public circumstance which becomes publicly is, is not the type of circumstance which becomes publicly known. Contrast that with the cases of the Mishnah: someone who's released from prison, someone who's released from captivity, someone who returns from overseas travel. The, the nature of those circumstances is that they are publicly known. So how do we analyze? this case of the uman who loses a personal object. Do we say on one hand well it's a personal object and therefore again that's not the type of circumstances that become publicly known or do we say no because he's an uman right? because, he's a, because he's a service provider and he's not going to be providing that service in Erev Yamtiv. everyone's gonna say hey where's Ruven the barber? Oh he's looking for his watch so his circumstances become known not because of the nature of the circumstances but because of the nature of the person. So, how do we pass in? The Gemara says, Teku. Teku. That it's a good kasha. It's kasha. So, what you begin to see really is that this this tension about is it, do you need the circumstances, the nature of the circumstances to create the publicity? Or is it enough if the person creates the publicity? That in and of itself is a unknown. That, that's a machlokas. Or you shouldn't even say it's a machlokas. The Gemara just does not reach a conclusion about it. Beautiful. Mebadina Sayon. So, as I remember again, the first example of an extenuating circumstance which would allow you to go ahead, which would allow you to go ahead and shave or take a haircut or do laundry on Khalamid would be someone who returns from travel overseas. Says the Amramas Nisindalok Rabbi Huda, our Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Huda. Why not? What does Rabbi Huda say? Let's listen to this. Rabbi Huda says, if you come back from overseas travel, that's not a license to get a haircut or to shave on chalamaid. Why? You traveled of your own volition. All right, come back earlier. Come back earlier. Who, who, who told you? Who told you to start going on a pleasure cruise? Who told you to start going out and traveling? So Rabbi Huda says, if you're traveling of your own volition and you come back and you come back too late that you can't shave or take a haircut before Khalamaid, that's not a header to take a haircut or shave on Khalamaid itself. Amar So listen to this, says. So Rava qualifies this a little bit. He says, now what I want to point out is that the Mishnah doesn't make any type of distinction. The Mishnah just says, Eilu megalchin Bamoid, Who? Here are the people who could take a haircut or shave on Cholamaid. Someone who returns from overseas travel. But the Mishnah itself doesn't make a distinction as to the nature of the overseas travel. So Rava therefore comes along and says as follows: "Lashut d'vriakol aser." He will say, "If literally you're just traveling for the sake of traveling." Rashi says, "Im yatzas shelo litzarech v'lo lashut ba'olam." "So vacation." on vacation you want to see the world you want to see the world right so if you're traveling just for pure pleasure you want to see the world that's fine hate, enjoy but at the end of the day if you get back before Chalamari, you don't have enough time to go ahead and take a haircut or shave That does not generate a heter to do so on chalamid. Right, the heter to do so on chalamid is only when there was an extenuating circumstance that was beyond your control. But if you're traveling of your own volition, there's not a heter. Limizonos, what happens if a person was traveling for the sake of paranossal? Everyone agrees, that's called, quote unquote, an extenuating circumstance. by the sweat of your brow, you earn your parnasa. That's said to So traveling for Parnassah is considered to be Ones, and therefore if you did not return early enough before Chal-a-Maid, before yamtiv to be able to shave and take a haircut, you could do so on Chalamay. So we'll say, where's the Machlok, yes? Listen to this. We'll say, what about if a person is not traveling for Paranasa, but traveling for profit? Namely, I have my Paranasa. I'm traveling to make extra money. I'm traveling for, for an additional deal. So we'll say, so how do you look at that? So one opinion says, well, traveling for profit, for additional profit, not for or additional profit, that's like vacation. That's like vacation. And therefore, if you get back too close to Yamtiv, that you do not have a chance to take a haircut or shave, you do not have a license to do so on Chalamayt. And the other opinion says, no, that's still called Mazonos. That's still called par-nosa. I That you want to make more money? Okay, everybody wants to make more money. That's called for parnasa, And therefore, if you get back too close to Yamtiv, you could shave, take a haircut, and Chalamayt. So, what's that analyzed? Radi huda's position seems to make sense when you left of your own volition. So if you're traveling of your own volition, right? You don't, you don't have to travel. You're choosing to travel. Then so you don't have a hat to, to shave on Chalameid. And the words of the Chum seem to be true when you went with Rishos. Now let's analyze this. Says the Gemara. What does it mean? Shalo birshus. If you say that it means that a person is just traveling for pleasure, just to see the world. So, no, vaha amrit We said everyone agrees that that is going to be asr. V'ela limizonos. was, when we say asr, it means you're not going to have a header to shave on cholamite based on that. V'ela limizonos. Rather, it must be that you're traveling for parnosa. Or well, traveling for parnosa, vaha amrit Everyone agrees that if you're traveling for parnosa, Rather, it must be that we're talking about a case where a person is traveling for the sake of making additional profit. ha v'ha amrit, rabbi b'ha. says, but you just said before that it appears that we follow the position of rabbi Yehudah. kamar. that's what it means to say. rabbi Rabanon, yatsa shelo Ultimately, again, the rabbanon agree with rabbi Yehuda in a situation of a person who was yatsa which means, you went out of your own volition. What does that mean practically? That means to travel. You decided to go out to travel. Because even the Chachamim ultimately only with Rabbi Huda in a case of where a person travels to make additional profit, the Chachamim will say additional profit, that's still called Parnosa. Rabbi Huda will say, no, that's not called Parnosa, that's called Parnosa. That's called, you know, travel. That's called pleasure. That's called your own volition. Avaloshut module. But ultimately, again, if halacha l'maisa, a person is just going to travel and they get caught up with their travel, and as a result of that, they don't make it back before Yamtiv, the rabbanon would agree with Rabbi Huda that halacha l'maisa, that's not a hetzer to shave on chalamay. V'nir and bershos. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Huda will agree with Rabbana and in the case of Yotzer Ber what is what does Yotzer mean? Limizonos for Parnassa that if a person is traveling for Parnassa even Rabbi Huda would agree Shafil Rabbi Yehuda Shafil Rabbi Yehuda lo Nechla aleim Ella laharvicha aval L'Mezonos even Rabbi Huda only disagrees when a person is traveling for profit Rabbi Huda holds for profit that's called the Ken that's called discretion discretionary travel. So for profit, that's discretionary travel. But for the travel for parnasa, that's called quote unquote obligatory travel. And therefore, if you got caught up or unable to return back home in time for chalamayid, halacha so one would have the right to go ahead and shave during chalamayid. So also, I'll just point out to you the shulchan aruch paskins here. This is an arachayim simin taf kuf lamid Alif sif dalid. The shulchan aruch says as follows ve rushaloyatz me'eretz l'chutz la'aretz l'tayel so the shulchanah paskins that Halacha halamai saw as long as you are travelling for a purpose now purpose can mean mizonos iker parnosy so your primary your primary um your primary livelihood or harvacha profit Right? Additional livelihood. As long as it's under the umbrella of livelihood, that, and again, a person gets caught up and as a result is unable to get back in time and to prepare for yom tiv, shaving, haircutting, laundering in time, you could do so on Chalamayid. But if a person went on vacation, a person, went, a person went on vacation, and as a result of vacation, I got back late, my flight got delayed, I wasn't able to get back in time. There would not be a hetter to shave or to haircut, take a haircut, or to launder on itself Chalamaid. It's another interesting case, Amr Shmuel. on will say five lines, six lines up from the bottom. Amr Shmuel. Let's we'll listen to this case. Let's say a child is born on Chalamaid. So we're also talking about a baby who has a lot of hair. So let's say the baby has a lot of hair and the baby needs a haircut. So ultimately, again, you could go ahead and give the baby a haircut on chalamayr. On chalamayr. Why? So you want to say, For there is no greater incarceration. There is no greater jail than the womb. In other words, that the Gemara says a child who is born is like a person who came out of jail, it's like a person literally again who was freed from his incarceration. There's no greater incarceration, no greater jail than the womb. Therefore, again, you could give the baby a haircut on Chalamite. And I will say, if you think about this, what a what a dramatic thing to say, because after all, again, we're familiar with the Gemara Nida, and the Gemara says the Gemara says that when the baby is in utero. Ultimately, they learn Torah with the Maloch, right? The angel learns Kala Torah Kula Nair doluk there's a candle lit above his head. The Gemara describes it as, a, as an incredibly spiritual and holy experience. Now the Gemara says there's no greater jail than the womb. And perhaps what Chazal is sensitizing us to about says is as follows. See, what's the notion of jail? What's the notion of jail? That a person can't accomplish, a person can't do, a person can't change the world. A person is, is stymied in their Asiyah, in their dynamic activity. It's great to learn with the Maloch. It is. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure, it was, I'm sure we all enjoyed it immensely. But at the end of the day, what I really want to do is I want to accomplish. I want to do. I want to, in my own way, in my own small, and sometimes even unnoticed way, change the world, infuse more light, make a difference. And when the child is in the womb, as wonderful as it is to learn Kala HaRakula, as wonderful as it is to communicate with the Maloch, as wonderful as it is to almost be more Maloch than man, that's not the world I want to live in. That's not where I want to be. I want to be in the world of dynamic activity. I want to be in the world where I could do something. I want to be in the world where I can make a difference. I want to be in the world where I could affect change. And therefore the Gemara says, As saintly as and as holy as the womb may be, it's mamish like a jail. So the Gemara goes right there. Now what this sounds like is when can you give the baby a haircut if the baby is born on Chalamaid? But if the baby was born before Chalamaid, he would not be permitted to go ahead and give them a haircut. To which the Gemara says, So let's listen to this interesting case. The Gemara says, any situation where it's permitted to go ahead and shave or take a haircut on Chalamaid, those same circumstances would allow you to go ahead and do these same activities during one's Avelos, during one's morning, morning period. And I will say, we're going to get into the Chos Avelos more tomorrow, emir Hashem. which tells you that if there's a circumstance which would preclude you from shaving or haircutting on Khalamaid, it would also be ushered during the days of your Avelos. Says the Gemara Amad vi Amrit Katon be Plukta and if you want to say there's a distinction for children, ultimately, again, a baby born before chalamaid can't take haircut on chalamaid, cannot take haircut on chalamaid. A baby born on chalamaid, you can cut his hair on chalamaid. If that's the case, then you have a situation of a baby who can't have a haircut on chalamaid, which using the formula we just said before would also mean that a child can't have a haircut during the days of his avelos. But here's the problem. The Mars nint Avelos no heges, bekatan. That teaches me then that the concept of Avelos, the concept of mourning, applies to a child. But it's not true. So we're going to learn this incredible Gimara in a couple of days from now, actually in about 10 days from now. The Gemara is going to talk about this concept that a child is not subject to the laws of mourning. There's no Avelos by a katan, no, no mourning by a child, which kind of most basic of a child is not obligated in any mitzvahs. We'll see that what we do is Rahman al when a child loses a close relative. We tear their clothing but we don't tear their clothing we don't do kriya on them because they're high in kriya we do kriya on them because it it evokes the the feeling of pain and loss for everyone who's around any anyone who's ever seen has a child do kriya or a child say kaddish it's overwhelming it's overwhelming so but the point that the gemara is making over here is the child is not subject to abelos in which case your formula doesn't work amravashi mi katani asurin. The Gemarit Rav doesn't mean to say that, it's, that it's, a, it's an absolute rule, that whoever can't go ahead and do certain activities on Khalamaid can't do them during the days of his Avelos, Well, Rather, what it means is, for some people, this principle applies. Namely, again, very often they're intertwined. Whatever you can't do on Khalamaid, you can do during Avelos. Whatever you can do during Chalamayit, you can do on Avelos. That applies for many circumstances, One of the situations for which this rule will not apply is when it comes to a cotton, when it comes to a child, says Digimara says says They had a different version of this In their version they had like this Shmuel You are allowed to give a child a haircut on Whether the baby was born before Chalamayid or the baby was born on Chalamayid If the baby needs a haircut, do you give the baby a haircut? Amra Pinchas, af anan namitanin. We also learned this concept. called elu mutr le'galech b'moed, mutr le'galech b'me avlo. also, interestingly enough, we said, in any situation where Halach say you could go ahead and take a haircut or shave on HaLamayid, you're also permitted to take a haircut and shave during one's Avelos. HaAsr le'galech b'moed, but what's the rule? Therefore, again, if it's Asr, to shave or take a haircut on Khalamaid, it would also be asr le'galech bime avlo. It would also be asr to go ahead and shave or take a haircut during Avelos. It says the Gemara, I amrit katan asr, if you say that therefore a katan cannot shave or take a haircut on Khalamaid, nimt says Avelos no hages pekatan. If a katan can't sh- take a haircut on Khalamaid, a katan also can't take a haircut during Avelos. Because remember again, we're espousing this Avelos-Chalamayid connection. And that if that's the case, that's not true. And remember again, the only reason we tear kriya, right? We tear the article of clothing of a katan is just to accentuate and exacerbate the pain of the adults who are around, not for the katan. Once again, to which the Gemara says, you're right. You're right. At the end of the day, the relationship between chalamayid and avelos is not absolute. Now, more often than not, it works. Whatever is asr on is going to be asr during avelos, and whatever is permitted during chalamayid will be permitted during avelos. But there is an exception. The exception to the rule is a katan, as a child, right? A baby. You could give the baby or the child a haircut on chalamayid if there's an ex- if there's an extenuating need. But yet again, but yet again. Ultimately, again, the halachos of the halachos of Avelos will not apply to a child, right? The only so the halachos of Chalamid will apply to a child, the halachos of Avelos will not apply to a child. Good, that's how the Gemara ends off. Uh, so well, say, so now the Gemara is taking now that we introduced the concept of Avelos. So the Gemara takes a step back and the Gemara says, Okay, what about Avelos on Chalamid, or for that matter, not just Chalamid on Yamtif? So the Gemara says, In Avel does not conduct himself in accordance with his morning practices on Yom Tiv. Why not? Now, we're going to see, this means a variety of things, but on the most basic level, we'll see the most extreme cases. Rachman HaLesson LoAleinu, a person loses a relative. They're sitting Shiva prior to Yom Tiv, Yom Tiv. comes, it ends the Shiva. By extension, we'll see, let's say a person is not sitting Shiva, a person already sat Shiva, but they're in Shloshim. Yom Tiv comes, cuts off the Shloshim. Yom Tiv goes ahead and effectively ends whatever period of mourning, the mourner currently finds him or herself in. So the Imar says, where does this come from? Where does this concept come from? The Torah says you shall rejoice on your Yom Tev. So say the idea of is because there's a Biblical obligation to rejoice therefore the biblical obligation to rejoice goes ahead and essentially trumps the personal obligation to mourn. Incredible. So the Yom de says If a person was in Avelos before Yom Tev, The positive commandment, which is a collective commandment, on all of Kala Yisra, trumps the personal obligation to mourn. And if we're talking about a person who becomes an avel on Yom Tiv, the personal obligation to mourn does not set aside the communal obligation to rejoice on Yom Tiv. So, says, so whether again a person was an avel before Yom Tiv or a person experiences a loss on Yom Tiv, Mourning could never occur on Yom Tev itself, and the reason for that is because of the biblical directive, the Samachta One should rejoice on the Yom Tov. So, let's listen to this. What's what about the following situation? We spoke of this in the Mishnah. The Menuda is a person who is excommunicated for some transgression, he's excommunicated. Now, I will say the person in excommunication essentially conducts himself like a person who is in avelos, like a person who is mourning. So the Gemara says, what happens, what happens, does a menuda, a person who is excommunicated, does he conduct himself in accordance with his excommunication mourning practices on Yom itself? On Yom itself. So the Gemara says, so, I will say there are different things. In other words, he also has to tear his clothing. He also has to let his hair grow long. So, the child does he conduct himself with these practices on Yumtiv or not. So, I'm Rav Yosef Tashma. Done in Dinei Nefashas, Makas, Fidine Dinei We adjudicate capital cases and cases regarding lashes and monetary cases on Chalamid. We take care of all of these cases on Chalamid. So, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, And if a person does not either doesn't show up for their dind Torah or a person won't listen to the ruling of the base Din, we excommunicate them. We excommunicate them. Now, if you would tell me that the morning practices of excommunication don't apply on on or on yamtiv, so I will say, if you would tell me that Yumtiv sets aside the morning practices of excommunication, if that's so, then if a person who was already excommunicated Yom comes and lifts his morning practices, then how could it be that the Gemara just said that in would excommunicate a person on Yumtiv itself? Doesn't make sense. Says, maybe not. Maybe when it means that Mishamtinale. It doesn't literally mean we excommunicate him on Yom Tiv. Rather, what does it mean Are really on Chalamaid? Rather, what does it mean? Maybe it just means that on, Yom, on Chalamaid, on Chalamaid, we won't go ahead and actually excommunicate someone. But rather what we'll do is we'll examine the facts of the case, we will examine the facts of the case so that they are prepared to issue a ruling right after Yom Tiv. So the Yom Tiv says diilo says, <laughs> because if you don't say this, nefashas diktani hachanami because remember again, the Reis also said that the basin adjudicates capital cases. If you take that literally, that they're actually adjudicating capital cases, is that possible to do that on Yom Yom say, if the basin is actually adjudicating capital cases on Yom then what? Then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they are going to go ahead and be precluded from engaging in simchas and enjoying the yantiv. Why? Listen to this. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Minayla Sanhedrin, Shahar Gwesan Epheshein Tomin Kolosayom. Rabbi Akiva says that the Sanhedrin is going to execute someone, they're obligated to fast the day that the sentencing is carried out. How do we know that Talmud Lomar? Sohlu al-adam. Literally do not eat on the blood. That when Basin is spilling blood, they, they, they judge someone that they're going to be put to death, you can't eat that day. So, we'll say, so therefore, look what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying, we said before, we said before, right? Remember, what, what are we are trying to figure out? Here's what we know. In regular avelos, a person loses a loved one. Yom comes, and either and either if a person was in avelos before Yom Tiv, comes and cuts off the avelos. We're going to see if a if a person becomes an avel on Yom Tiv, essentially delays the avelos until after Yom What about the mourning practices associated with excommunication? Does the person who is excommunicated, the menuda, does he observe those morning practices on Yom Tiv or not? Well, the Gemara wants to say, the Brayse told us that they excommunicate people on Khalamaid. So if you're excommunicating people on Khalamaid, then what, it must be that they're observing their morning practices on Khalamaid as well. So which Gemara says, no, 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 maybe when it says that they're excommunicating someone, it doesn't really mean they're excommunicating. It means they'll examine the merits of the case on Khalamaid, so that after Yom bazin is ready to go out and deliver a psak and then excommunicate the person. The Gemara says that has to be the answer, that has to be the explanation. Why? Because the same braces said that they adjudicate capital cases. Could it be that we're putting someone to death on Yom Tiv? Could that be? After all, the Gemara says the day, Rabbi Kiva says the day that a base would excommunicate someone, you would have to fast which means that there would be a day of Yom Tiv where the Dayonim would not be fulfilling the biblical obligation of Samachta Bechagecha, to rejoice on the Yom Tiv. So it must mean when the Gemara says that they execute someone, it doesn't literally mean. It means they examine the merits of the case, they don't paskin, and after Yom Tiv, they paskin. So too when it talks about excommunicating people, maybe it means they examine the merits of the case, but don't actually do the excommunication until after Yom Tiv. Till after to, to which the Mars Amalai Im Kane, sma Sma'an Estin, I both say this is very interesting. There's a concept of Inuyadan, Inuyadin, which means a court is not permitted to delay judgment. It's considered to be unfair to the litigants to delay judgment. So if that's the case, that Bayesian is going to examine the merits of the case and essentially be ready to passkin. But because of a technicality, they're not gonna passkin until later. That's wrong. That that seems to be wrong. That seems to be a wrong approach to which the gemara says "Us rather what are the about say this is actually incredible so here's how it works so in fact the gemara wants to suggest that bazden will go ahead Beisdin will go ahead and halokha lemaysa, halokha lemaysa, go ahead and adjudicate capital cases on yantiv they will i but one second but how does it work how does it work with the fact that they have to fast on the day that they're administering a, a death penalty, and yet that will prevent them from enjoying their simchas yomtiv. Here we go. Asu mit safra The gemara says they, they 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 go ahead and they hold. They sit in session in the morning. Um, and they go ahead and they examine the case and essentially reach a conclusion. Va'eli but they don't paskin. They don't paskin. Va'eli They go home. They have their sudas yomtiv. Achli v'shasu kuli They enjoy the day of yomtiv. And they come back based in once again. So they adjourn. So in the morning they get together, they examine the case. Pretty much know what they're going to rule, but don't rule. Go home, eat, drink, enjoy the yamtiv. They reassemble a little bit before sunset. They go ahead, Ladina. They go ahead and they pass the scent They do the sentencing. They pass the death sentence, the katli, and they kill the guy. Right before the end of the day, so I'll say like this, like this. Interestingly enough, you have a couple. Of, so here's what you have: so they'll meet in the morning, discuss the merits of the case, essentially come to a conclusion without going in and handing down the sentence. They'll go home, enjoy yomtiv, enjoy yomtiv, eat, drink, enjoy their yomtiv, enjoy their yomtiv. So therefore, they're fulfilling the biblical obligation of v'samachta They'll reassemble sometime before sunset give the psak din, right, go ahead, hand down the sentence, execute the guy. They'll fast the remainder of that day, right, which is until when? Until nightfall, so that's fine. They're not having another Suda anyway. They'll fast the remainder of that day, thereby fulfilling Rabbi Akiva's dictum, but at the same time, not going ahead and missing out on a day of Simchas Yantiv. So, so, (laughs) and I'll just point out something amazing. The Rambam codifies this. The Rambam says... This is in Hilchos Sanhedrin, Parakud Gimel Halacha Hey. The Rambam writes, "Mishnis Chayim Misabachalos Shamoed." If somebody became liable to a death penalty on Shamoed, Ma'einin Bedino, we assemble in the morning. We write, we look into the merits of his case. Va'ochlin Beizin, v'shoshin Acharkach, v'Acharkach Gomernes Dino. Someuch Lishkei Sachamah Bahargin Also. The Rambam quotes this Halacha L'maisa. Halacha L'maisa. So we'll examine the merits of the case in the morning. Don't pass Go home, eat, drink, enjoy Simchas Yomtiv, reconvene sometime before sunset, deliver the sentence, execute the individual, fast for whatever remaining, whatever is remaining in a day, and then go on with your Yomtiv. That's the halacha, the codifying the ramam. It was just thinking about this. How, how, it's incredible to think about this. Can you imagine being a Dion on a Beis Din, which is going to hand down a death sentence? So remember again, after the morning session, you know already the guy's gonna be put to death. You know that because you reach the conclusion, you're just not delivering the verdict until later on in the day. So what's the Pshat? How could a person go home? How could a person go home and eat and drink and have a regular Yumtiv and then go in and come back to the base And so we'll say, I think it's something amazing. I think what the is teaching us is I would imagine that when that dayan go home, goes home, he's not having a regular Yom tif, right? It's not like a regular day. He knows that someone's going to die and he knows that it's his decision together with the other dayan, that's putting someone to death. So when he goes home, I guarantee you, like in his heart, in his heart, he's not filled with simcha, but he goes through the motions. Because I both say like, sometimes in life... You just have to go through the motions. Sometimes in life you have to do what you have to do. You have to get the job done. Maybe you're not feeling it in the same way. Maybe you're not experiencing it in the same way. But sometimes we all go through this, right? We have days and we wake up and you know what the truth is, like my head's not in the right place. My heart's not in the right place. But there are things I have to do. I have to be there for my spouse. I have to be there for my children. I have to be there in my profession. I have to show up. I have to show up even when I am not feeling it. So what the Gemara is saying over here is don't think for a second that the Dayan goes ahead and comes home and, ah, what's for lunch? What's for the sudo? Let's sing a zemer. Let's this. Divrei Torah. And everything is hunky-dory. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And then, oh, you know, I got, I got to run. We have to deliver that death sentence. The, I'm sure the Dayan feels differently, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do No matter how you're feeling, isn't this the job of a Yid? There are days that show up, I don't feel like davening, I don't feel like kavana. There are days that I don't feel like doing certain mitzvahs. So sometimes you don't feel it, but you still have to do it. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you still have to go through the motions. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you still have to show up. Sometimes the Dayan doesn't feel Simchas Yomtiv, but he still has to show up. He still has to show up. It also teaches us another lesson, that in life we have to learn how to compartmentalize which I think is an incredible use I will say, you know, sometimes things happen in life, you know, we've all had this experience where something, you know, something real, something bad happens during the day and you're very upset, very upset and angry. And you're about to walk into your house. And in that moment when you walk into your house, you know, you have to make a conscious decision. Do I bring all of the negativity of my day with me through that door? Or do I say, you know what, I'm going to put that away for now. It's important. I have to deal with it. I'm not done with it. I have to figure out how, what to do with it. But right now, I can't bring you with me into the house. Right right now, it, it cannot follow me in the power of compartmentalizing and this is difficult because many of us like we take everything with us wherever we go and sometimes you make that mistake of walking into the door and maybe there's a spouse that's so happy to see me and maybe a person has children who are so so, so who a person is so happy to see them and i come in and I'm, and i'm upset and i and i'm distant and i'm angry and and i'm frustrated and they didn't do anything they didn't do anything they're just happy to see me they're just happy to spend a few moments with me and I'm bringing all of the baggage of the day with me. You know, the is teaching us that sometimes you have to learn the art of compartmentalizing. The says, says, you know, the Dayan, Dayan's going to go home. He's going to have his su'uda. He knows where he's knows where he been and he knows what he has to do later on in the day. But sometimes you just got to put it in check. Compartmentalize and move forward. So two incredible yisodos from this Gemara. Two incredible yisodos. Yisod number one, that sometimes even if you're not feeling it, you just got to show up and you Yisod number two, you have to learn to compartmentalize in order to be successful in life. The Gemara goes, So let's remember again the Mishnah did say that a manuda, right, a, uh, so a person who was excommunicated, who was released from his excommunication on Yom Tiv, is permitted to take a haircut and shave. Which sounds like the mourning practices of Nidui are still in effect on Khalamaid. So, Amarava, Shetiru Chachamim, Chachamim, Katani, the Rabbana no, no, maybe that's a different case. Maybe that's talking about a situation of a person who was put in excommunication because he went ahead and... Because he went ahead, and first of all, I'll take a look at Rashi. So I'll say the way you can understand that statement in the Mishnah of Chachamim it means that when Yom Tiv comes, the Chachamim release every excommunicated person from his excommunication. That essentially Yom Tiv comes, the morning practices of someone who is excommunicated are lifted. To which the Gemara says. No, maybe not. Maybe that's, says, maybe that's not what it's talking about. Maybe what it means is a guy was excommunicated because of some interpersonal in, in, right, infraction. He did something to someone else. As a result, he was excommunicated. Maybe over the course of Yom Div or over the course of Chalamaid, the the perpetrator goes over to the victim and makes amends, makes amends. So if he made amends for his interpersonal affront, for his interpersonal transgression, under that case, Chazal would go ahead and lift the morning practices. But it's quite possible that in the absence of that halacha the morning practices associated with the person excommunication would still remain unyombed. Shabbos, we'll stop over here for today. We're going to continue the sugya. We're not finished with it yet. We're going to continue the sugya along with throwing a couple of other cases, and then we'll see how the Raman paskins over here. I say, Shikayach, beautiful new start to the third pack of Moin Cotton. Such a schuz to be able to learn with you. I'm sorry that I can't be there with you in person, but it is such a schuz to be able to continue our limud together. This is the beauty of the Daf; doesn't stop wherever we are, whenever we are. Baruch Hashem, to continue to plow through this beautiful mesekht with all of you. Have a wonderful day, Shikayach.